I'll tell you, uh, I'm at the point to where if somebody don't soon move, I am. Now, that don't mean I'm going to move in the church. I'll move out the church because I'm going to go find what God wants in this church. Are you got me now? Smile at someone and say, are you ready to move? Mighty quiet. Smile one more time. My gracious day, I got to get you happy. I don't know what else I got to do to get you happy. If you're alive in church today and in Christ today, and he's your Lord and your Savior, then he should be the one that you're happy to see and to hear and to feel today. So somebody give God a good hand clap of praise like you mean it today. Father, I ask you today that you'll bless those that have given in the offering today, Lord God, those that didn't have to give, Lord, I pray that you'll pour out a bountiful blessing upon each and every one of them. Father, and I ask you today, Lord God, that you'll minister unto Jonathan, Lord God, where he's at. Father, that you'll minister to that family that is in this hour. Father, I pray that you'll show up in the healing. Father, there is so much sickness in this church right now that God is speaking to us through it. And Father, we need to get serious with you, praying for you. So today, Lord God, we come before you to hear your word and to move forward under the power of your Holy Spirit. We invite your Holy Spirit to come in and anoint the reading of your word. Lord God, bless it. Father, pour it out upon us. God, this word that you have given me to bring to the church this morning, Lord God, let it touch the heart that you had it, have it ready for you. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray that no one will leave the way they came, and I'll give you the praise for it all. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and our church said amen and amen. We'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 15 today, but before we read, I want to kind of give you a preference. I'm going to give you a word from the Lord today. This word, however, is not meant for every one of you. Some of it is for everybody. Not all of it is for everybody. But I want you to understand something. And I want you to understand it very quickly. Everybody look at me real good. God is very unhappy. Very unhappy. He's very unhappy that he has been begging and asking and trying to get folks to acknowledge him, to honor him, to worship him and praise him. And I'm going to tell you, it's aggravating to stand up here and play for 15 minutes and nobody move. Not even stand up in the pew. Now I know some of you may not be able to, but it shows our spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. And God has called this church now, and I'm going to tell you, he's called this church for several months for about a year on one particular thing, and that is he wants you to get to know the Holy Ghost. He wants you to get to know him personally. He wants you to be able to usher in a revival and a change in this area. And I'm going to tell you right now, live the time is running short. If we don't soon respond, God is going to use another fellowship to get done what he wants done. And I will share with you today that I want this church to be able to be the one that does it. But if you don't want it, then we'll just settle that situation today and tell the Lord to move on. You got me? We'll settle it today. I want to know how many of you really want to please the Lord and Savior. Well, then we've got to get serious in this church. We can't keep playing around waiting for somebody else to make a move, waiting for somebody else to say something or do something. I want you to understand that I truly understand that life is not easy. Life is not easy at all. Uh, for the past few days, I've sought the Lord. I needed a fresh word from God for this church because I have been preaching basically the same thing now, Betty, how long? Seven months, I guess. 
I needed it. And after several days, the Spirit spoke to me and He told me one thing. And as I've been working on that, studying on that, looking at it, He's carried me to a certain area. I want you to turn your neighbor right beside of you. Look at him and say, fill your horn with oil and go. Ask another one. Tell another right beside him. Say, fill your horn with oil and go. I said I saw Diane here. I don't see her here, but that's all right. She's here. I called her here anyhow. There, there she is. I see her now. I thought I saw her walk in. I thought maybe I was having a figma of my imagination all of a sudden. But tell your neighbor right beside say, fill your horn and go. Everybody holler out and say, go. So you got two things that you got to do there is fill your horn and go. Do you know what God means when he says to you, fill your horn and go? That is a call from God for you to move in action and to start doing something. So somebody say it again with me. Say, fill your horn and go. Now these words resonate with me greatly. They serve as a powerful instruction from God to me and this church. And it can be applied to each and every one of us in our daily life. Fill your horn and go. And we don't understand it a whole lot, but there's a mighty blessing when you begin to move forward to the predestined arrangements that God already has in your life. When you begin to move toward what God has ready for you already, God says, I can't do nothing else but bless you. Amen. Amen. I want to explain to you something. Samuel was a prophet of God, I believe, the greatest prophet that ever lived. Now, God said Moses was, but I believe that Samuel was one of the greatest that ever lived because when he was born, he was born out of a blessing from God to his mother. And she gave him to God for the rest of his life. And God used him all of his life. And God used him also even after he died, he came back and he preached. So God has used Samuel a great way, but Samuel is where we're going to look at today. Samuel was a prophet of God. He was a mighty prophet of God. And Samuel was the one that led, as a judge, led Israel for many, many, many years. But many of us struggle with the idea of what Samuel done and what we're going to read about this morning, but we're going to get there today. Amen? Amen. Now, as the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they come into the land and God put judges in place to begin, after Moses and Joshua was gone, to begin to lead Israel. And as the judges started going out, God put a couple of prophets in there. And as the judges died out, they began to notice outside around them that every other nation had a king. And they decided that they wanted a king. And they kept bellyaching that we want to be like everybody else. We want a king. And God finally gave in and told Samuel, you go and you anoint Saul to be king over Israel. He will be the one that will lead this nation. As time went on, Saul got to the point to where he was more important, more interested in building up his dynasty than he was building God's kingdom. And after a while, God got upset with what Saul did. Saul was given the word to go and kill a king by the name of Agag, and he was supposed to wipe him completely out. He was supposed to kill him, every sheep there was, every baby, every boy, every girl, because they were polluted with angels that had rebelled against God and come down and started 
breeding a race that God could not bless in any way, shape, or form. And God got angry with them because Samuel showed up and Samuel told him, it says, if you've done what God wanted you to do, then why is it that I hear all these bleeding sheep that you just took over there from King Ahag? And why Agag? And why is King Agag here? And he, at that point, heard God say, I have rejected Saul as king over you. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in your life to where you put everything that you could possibly put, all of your effort, all your time, everything that there is in your life, everything that you have toward one thing and it didn't seem to turn out the right way. Amen? Some of us struggle with the idea of what I'm fixing to read to you. But I want you to understand, I know what it's like when you experience grief. Every one of us experiences grief. We experience pain. We experience suffering. We go through painful tragedies that we weren't prepared for. We go through situations and events that cause us to spend an inordinate amount of time sitting there to process everything that has happened to us. Sometimes life can be really hard to live. Am I talking to anybody today? Amen. Many of us get so wrapped up in depression, we get so wrapped up in the victim mentality, we get so wrapped up in the patient mentality, and we get to a point to where life literally comes crashing in on us. Now, I realize it takes time sometimes to reconcile in your life what has happened with what's going on today. Sometimes when you look back, you want to say, Lord, why did this happen to me? Lord, why is it that this is going on with me? I didn't ever expect to get cancer, but here I am with cancer. I didn't expect for this to happen. I didn't expect for my brother to be killed, but my brother was killed. I didn't expect for my child to overdose. I didn't expect all that. And many of us look at that situation and we're trying to reconcile what had happened. And we pass the point to where God can't use us. And that point becomes we begin to wallow in that situation. And we lay down in all those issues and we start pitying ourselves, feeling sorry for ourselves. Why am I even alive here? Why don't that husband of mine just die? I don't want to be with him anymore. If I got to live a life like this, I don't want to live like this anymore. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Amen. Many reached a point that they seem to enjoy being sad. I tried to get you fired up this morning. You act like you enjoyed being sad. I've asked a few to smile. Act like it hurts you so bad to smile that you can't hardly stand it. Seems like so many people at this point began to get to the point where they enjoy being sad. Especially if you can get sympathy for somebody else from somebody else for what you're going through. If somebody listens to you, belly ache, complain, and grumble and argue, you'll keep right on talking about it all the time. Amen. Amen. And then we began to find out that our whole life begins to focus on that dilemma. And after a while, we don't want to get up out of the bed. We don't want to dress ourselves. We don't want to leave. We don't want to go nowhere. We don't have to want to face anything that we've got to face on a daily basis. I want you to understand God understands that. And there is a time for you to take in your life to reconcile with what happened in the past. God says it's fine to process a few things, but for some reason, we convince ourselves that feeling sorry for ourselves will help us. Sometimes we feel like if we just pull away from everybody, 
We don't want to talk to nobody. We don't want to discuss anything. The telephone ring. We don't want to get it. We don't want to be around no crowd with nobody. We don't want to. If we do all that there, we feel like they're just pulling away from everything just helps us. And I want you to know it don't do anything to help you at all. It literally kills you. You see, we think in ourselves, we just find somebody that we can sit down and we can talk about this thing with. So we run off to a psychiatrist and we pay $200 an hour for them to sit there and ask you, well, how do you feel about that? Mama left me. How do you feel about that? My husband died. How do you feel about that? Pay somebody $200 an hour to ask you one question. How do you feel about the situation you're going through? It's amazing to me. We began to rehash that hurt every time you talk to somebody. Have you ever been uh, hurt somebody and when you hurt them, you ask them to forgive them and you try to patch that relationship and every time you get close to them, they want to throw that situation right back up to you all the time. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Somebody say amen. They want to rehash that circumstance, that hurt, that disappointment. And literally, they they want to go over and just talk about how they regret that they've done this. I, I know one lady, every time you talk to her, she's been single now for I don't know how many years. And every time you talk to her, I ask her, say, well, have you got married yet? No, I said, I never got married. And she'll go off and she'll go to talking on that for 40 minutes. She'll talk about how bad her marriage was 31 years ago. I hear some of y'all say, mm, but that's the way some of y'all are living right now. Rehashing everything that's going on. We seem to enjoy talking about our past hurt repeatedly. Talk it over. And over. Yeah, I understand where you're at. I understand where you're at. We vent to anybody that will listen to us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you this morning. Smile at me on this side. We want to sit there and we, we began to tell everybody about it and get upset and mad because nobody don't understand what you're going through and the, the motto of your life is nobody knows how dry you are and you're going to make sure you, to let everybody know just how dry you are. We even get to the point where we go to God, Betty, and we start asking God and want Him to tell us why did this happen to me? And we get angry with God. And then we go and we repeat it to Him tomorrow. And then the next day we go and repeat it to him. We keep repeating it week after week, month after month, year after year, to after a while it becomes a stronghold in our life and decades are passed around and all of that. And God says, I understand in life that there is a season for mourning. He told Solomon to write it and put it on the paper that there is a season for you to mourn. But he also said there is a season for you to build. There's a season for you to dance. There's a season for you to laugh. There's a season for you to party. There's a a season for you to get happy. There's a season for you to worship Him. Amen. There is a season. Seasons always come to an end. Amen. Amen. So God now has rejected Saul. <laughs> Samuel was the one that anointed him and put him in office. And Samuel goes into a season of mourning. Every day he's going in, and you'll understand this as we read the scripture. Every day he's going into the presence of God and he's rehashing the same situation over and over and over again. If I'd have known God that Sam, that, that Saul would have done this, I'd have never anointed him, even though you told me to anoint him. What in the world are we going to do now? We ain't got a king. We ain't got this. Our army ain't got no general. What are we going to do? And he's rehashing the thing over and over and over again. Every one of us experience grief and we experience pain and we experience suffering in our life. That's the reason why you're here today because you came to church not because you're weak but because you're strong. 
And we need to understand we're going to go through that. And it is perfectly fine in life for you to ask God and to ask anybody else, why did this happen to me? It's perfectly fine for you to do that. But it's not fine for you to keep right on doing it for 30 years. After a while, you got to get over it. Punch that beside and say, it's time for you to get over it. Amen. It's perfectly fine for you to ask, why did that person hurt me? But not to base your whole life around that their hurt that that person gave to you. It's perfectly fine to find out and ask yourself, why did I do what I did? But after a while, you got to get up and you got to go on and move on because life does not stop for nobody. Amen. It's impossible for you to understand every facet of your life. It's impossible for you to understand the reason why you've been hurt by so many people. It's impossible for you to understand why you committed all them sins you committed before. It's impossible for you to understand all the suffering that you're going through in life. But instead of handing these things to God and let God carry us through it, we hang on to them and we will not let them go. That is the obstacle and the stronghold that is keeping this church from being powerful and moving forward into revival that God has called us into right now. Amen. Amen. Often we hang on to them because we one day hope that somehow or another we're going to get to the bottom of why Diane said what Diane said to me when she said it to me 50 years ago. Diane ain't thought about that thing for 49 and a half years, 11 months and 31 days. But you constantly thinking about what Diane said 50 years ago. You hang on to it because you want to get to the bottom of it. You want to get to the bottom of who done it. You want to understand what happened. And you want to understand when it happened, where it happened, and why it happened. And why they could do it to you and all this stuff. And you get to the point to where you neglect to let God be the mitigator to go into your life and bring matters into his hands and straighten it out for you. The Bible says the battle is not yours. It is God's. Give it to him and he'll pull you out. So we make feeble attempts and failures. We try to go out there and do things and we try to figure things out and we try everything we possibly can do on our own. But we wind up never letting it go. Look at your neighbor right beside me and say, let it go. There is a season for mourning, Thelma, but there is also a season for you to get up and to go. There is a season for you to sit home, feel sorry for yourself for a few hours, but you need to get up and go because the clock still is kicking on the wall. You need to understand that there is a season for going. God does not want you to rest in your brokenness. God does not want you to continue on cradling that pain that you had in every situation, every relationship, and every season in your life and sitting there in your life and letting that pain reign over you on a daily basis. Amen? In fact, God's a little bit angry with you because of it. He's upset with his church because we will not move on. He's upset with us because we still want to play the, uh, the victim mentality and the patient mentality. We don't want to go forward and do what God wants us to do. And God is a little bit angry with us. And God has told me today to come here and to tell you that he wants you to do something to fill up your horn and to get busy and to go. Amen. 
1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 34. Let's read verse 32. Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me, Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thou sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Saul came no more to see Saul. Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. If God in his life can say that didn't work out the way I thought it would, don't you think that he can expect us to be able to say that didn't work out the way I thought it would? Amen. Amen. You married that man, you thought that man was going to be the, the, the knight on shining arm, and all of a sudden he turned out to be a demon straight from hell, and you had to let him go. Quit worrying about what that man done to you. Get up, fill up your horn, and let's go. Look at verse number one. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now I want to read that again because there are several Hebrew words in the original language that was not translated in that verse. So you need to get to understand the tense, the voice, and the mood of this verse so you can understand what God was telling Samuel. So here we have Samuel now. He's, he's regretting that he anointed Saul. He's been disappointed in what Saul did. He had got real close to Saul and now he's lost his best friend, so to speak. He's not around. He will not see him until the day he dies. God will not minister to the nation of Israel through the king anymore. And Samuel now had a cohort and a partner that he could go in life with and they could rule the nation. And now everything falls on Samuel and Samuel now is mourning the situation that is going Going on, and God comes to him and tells him, Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Now, between the word Samuel and how long, there is several different words. In fact, there's six. And the first word in the Hebrew word is the word ad, spelled A-D, just like you know here in English. But it merely simply means to continually repeat the dead account or that issue that is dead in your life until you literally die or till you go to eternity. In other words, what Samuel was doing is every day that he got up, his day, 24 hours a day, was going before the presence of God and mourning Saul and telling God how bad it was in his life and how bad it was in the nation of Israel at that point in time and telling them, oh, you just don't understand how bad it is and I can't do my job because everything ain't hunky-dory no more in my life. Everybody help me. Amen. So he goes on and he says, how is it, Samuel? How much longer are you going to mourn this? Are you going to keep coming in here into my presence on a daily basis repeatedly and telling me the same old story over and over and over and over again? 
This is God talking. This ain't kill. God is telling Samuel, I'm sick and tired of hearing everything about this situation. In my eyes, this issue is dead. This account is dead. But you will not go to the graveyard and bury it and have a funeral. Now helping anybody this morning, amen. And he said, how long are you going to continually mourn for Saul? That word mourn there means how much longer are you going to flow in tears in your eyes, flowing down your face, and you're going to literally keep on crying about something that you can't do nothing about. Oh, am I helping anybody this morning? Smile at me on this side of why are you going to sit there and cry about that person that don't even want you in their life and you're going to sit there and you can't do a thing in the world about it? Why in the world are you going to keep right on rehashing that thing over and over and over and over again? Why are you going to continually, how much longer are you going to continually come in here and repeatedly cry over something that you can't do nothing about in your life? She chose to leave you, and that was her will. She's gone. Let her go. Amen. Amen. He chose to leave you. She's, he's gone. Let him go. You can't usurp her will. You can't change her will. I don't care how pretty you are, how good you get, how big of a job you get, how much money you get. If she don't want to be with you, she ain't going to be with you. Amen. Quit crying about it. The people left you according to the first John chapter two, verse 19, because they were not of you. And God said they left you because to show you that they were not of you. So God's been talking to you. Punch that beside me. Say, God's been talking to you. So here we've got now. He said, why are you still mourning for Saul? I rejected him. He said, how much longer are you going to keep walking in here and you're going to repeatedly come in here and tell me about what happened and how bad it is and what you feel and how regretful you are about this situation and everything? You wanted to marry that man and you married him. Now you got him. Now you got to live with him. Yeah. Well, people don't like to hear that. Mama told you not to marry that woman. Mama told you y'all would never get along together. But you had to run as hard as you could to that altar and say, I do, and you sure did. And all you want to do now is to run to Mama so Mama can feel sorry for you. All you want to do is get your friend on the telephone and talk all day long about how bad that man is and how mentally cruelly he said, you wanted him and you got him. All you want to do is go tell God, I ain't got no money and I ain't got this and I ain't got that and I ain't got this and I ain't got that, but God's already made you a millionaire when he gave you a job paying you $8 an hour. You could have plenty of money right now, but you chose not to manage your money and you put yourself in that same situation and there you are and now you want to tell God how bad life is and you got exactly what you asked for out of life. I love you, but I got to tell you how the truth is. Amen. Then he goes on, he says, why are you mourning? How much longer are you going to mourn for Saul? The word Saul means that that you have asked of God. That that you have desired of God. 
Now, every one of these women in here, when they got when they were a little kid, they ran around. They had a little dollhouse, and they had their husband that they stuck in that little dollhouse, and they had that little Barbie. They sat there and they drank it. That was them. And they had these little babies that they put in here, and they thought that was their house, and they were sitting there and they were fixing that house up. They even went and bought a picket fence and put it around that dollhouse, and they went around. And they played house while they were sitting there, and they had this dream in their head that this was the man that they were going to marry. And the minute that that man was close to what she thought that he was going to be. She jumps onto the bandwagon. Oh, this is my Barbie house that I'm going to have. And I'm going to build this house. And now it's 30 years later. And you ain't got a house. And you want to tell God about it every day, all day. And want somebody to feel sorry for you. I empathize with you, but I'm not going to feel sorry for you. I know it's painful. I know there's a whole lot of hurt there. But look here. How much longer are you going to mourn over Saul? That's what you asked for. You got exactly what you sowed the seeds for. Amen. Amen. I don't know what I'm going to do with my child. He's a drunk. He's hooked on drugs. And I said, well, he wouldn't have been a drunk and hooked on drugs if you wouldn't have brought it in the house and set it there in the refrigerator. Amen. Am I helping anybody this morning? Smile at me because your preacher loves you. He says, but I've rejected him. And it goes deeper than reject. That word reject. We know what reject is. Reject means, hey, I don't want to. If I went and I was single and Katrina was single and I asked her to go out with me and she rejected me, she rejected me one time. Because I ain't going to sit there and beg her to go out with me. But what this word means is he spurned him. It meant literally he rejected him with disdain and contempt. He said, how dare you? If it would have been the situation I just described to you, uh, Katrina would look at me and say, how dare you even walk in my presence and to ask me for my, my time to go out with you because you ain't in the same league I am in. God said, I rejected that mess. And I'll show you going for it. He says, I rejected it from reigning over you. God said this mess that you're allowing to reign over in your life, you have it there in your life and it's been ruling your life. That situation that happened in that relationship is ruling your life. That situation that happened 25 years ago is ruling your life right now. And God says, I did not choose it to rule over you. You chose it to rule over you. You asked for that soul in your life and you got exactly what you want. I said, he's not going to rule over you in any longer. Y'all hear me today. Amen. He said he will not reign over the house of Israel. He rejected them. The house of Israel literally means he that rules like God. He said, I want you to go to the house. He said, fill up your horn and go. He said, I want you to go to the house of Bethlehem. I want you to go over there to the house of bread because there is a Jesse family there. That word Jesse means a, a firm gift from God, a gift that is given to you for survival. In other words, in the house of God, I have a gift for you for your survival where you can handle all this mess that's went on in your life. I have there in that house provided for you a new ruler in your life to rule your life instead of that mess that you've allowed to rule it all of your life. Am I helping anybody this morning? 
He said, I provided a king there. I'm going to preach on this again tonight so you need to come back. That word provided means, it literally means in the Hebrew, he said, I've been watching me a king in that house. Turn your neighbor right beside him and say, God's been watching you. Tell another right beside him, God's been having his eye on you all the time. God is watching you. And he has a king, a new king. That he wants to rule over your life. But you will not let Saul leave the throne. Every morning you get up, you groan about how bad your gout is. How bad your knee is. How bad your back is. How bad your eyes is that you can't see. And that's all right. I understand that life changes. But as things goes on after a while, you begin to dictate to yourself, well, I can't drive anymore because I can't see. God says, I am your eyes. I am your light. I am your vision. And my word is a lamp unto your feet. You see the word lamp on your feet. When they went to walking back there in that time, they tied a lamp to their feet. They did not throw it up there and have a headlight in the front of their car a hundred feet up there. They took a step and it lighted it up there. And they took a step and it lighted it up there. And they took another step and it lighted it up there. In other words, God said, if you're going to do what you're going to need to do in your life, you're going to have to take a step of faith and look at the light around every step and be careful where you're going anyway. Just because everything ain't hunky-dory don't mean that you have an excuse not to do what God has called you to do. You're letting it rule over you. You see, the doctors told me that I would never walk again. They told me I would never sing again. They told me I would never play the piano again. They told me I would never work another job again. But here I am working seven days a week, working three jobs. I haven't been working a whole lot. I've been working a whole lot for, for Tina right now, trying to get our houses together and all this stuff. But I want you to know as well that I have for the last 10, 12, 20 years, I have worked three jobs. When the doctor said, I cannot work. I can't get up out of the bed. I can't walk. If I would have let Saul rule all over me, then I wouldn't be up here this morning. If I hadn't made up my mind that God had rejected that Saul in my life and that God had a new king for me, I wouldn't be behind this pulpit today. I wouldn't be alive today. I know I gave up. I'd done everything the doctor told me to do and got worse. When I got hot-headed and hard-headed and ornery and I decided I was going to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it against everybody else's grumbling and their opposition all that stuff, I got hard-headed and God began to touch my body on a daily basis. So God is saying, why is it that you are continually repeating to me all this stuff you're going through? He knows it. He's been seeing everything that's going on. He knows what's happening. Look at your neighbor right beside you. Do you really trust God? I'm beginning to wonder, Betty, I don't think the church does anymore. They think they can help themselves out by feeling sorry for themselves. How you doing? Well, you know how life is just tough. I don't have this and don't have that. I ain't got this. I got, well, why don't you come on, y'all? But I ain't got no car. Well, there was a whole lot of people went to church for a long time that didn't have no car. I went to church for a long time and I walked. I went to church for a long time and I rode a bicycle. I went to church because I loved my God. Yeah. Mama stayed home and didn't go. I was the only one in the whole family that went, and I walked. 
I'll walk four miles from my church, from my house to my church, out here in Northside Baptist Church. I walked at eight years old going to the church. And I'm only 55. There was cars all over the place. There was bikes all over the place. But I made sure that I've done what God wanted me to do. I'm not telling you to do like I I'm just saying there's a reason why you're doing what you're doing on a daily basis. You have convinced yourself that that Saul that is in your life is going to rule over your life. But God said, that ain't who I chose to rule in your life. Amen. Amen. So God told me to come to you this morning and tell you to fill up your horn and let's go. Slap that beside me and say, fill up your horn and let's go. Here's your word. God told me to write it down and to give it to you. If you're ready this morning, say amen. amen. How much longer live in water worship center are you going to continually keep entering into my presence? Repeating and rehearsing this account that I have told you is dead and is a dead issue. Are you going to keep on doing this until you die? Are you going to keep right on doing this until you go through all eternity? Is it your plan to keep right on hashing this thing over and over again all the way through eternity? This is God talking. How much longer are you going to follow with tears expressing your great regret and your great disappointment, your great bitterness over something that you can't do a thing about in your life? How much longer are you going to continue to let Saul rule over your life? After all, it was you that desired that king to rule over your life, and you got exactly what you asked for from God. I can't help you. You're not happy. I tried to make you happy, thus saith God. Am I hiding from you, says the Lord, that I have rejected what you ask of me with all the disdain that I have and all the contempt that I have? I'm not hiding the fact from you that I it will not rule over you because I have a different plan for you in your life. I will not let you be ruled over because you are my Israel and you are to rule like I rule on this earth and I will not continually let your soul rule over you. I have a David ready to rule over you. Are y'all talking to the Lord this morning? Someone say amen. amen. Touch that right beside me. It's still God talking. Punch him. Look at him and say, live your life. Find another one. Say, live your life. Get up out of the bed. Go and do what you want to do. Get up out of the bed. Cook your food. Get up out of the bed. Live your life. Get back to your lifestyle. Quit sitting in the house expecting for God to send an angel by to pull you out of your hog's trough and bring you into the promised land. It ain't going to happen. Live your life. Get back to your lifestyle. Fill up that empty space that's on the inside of you. If you lost that man and he's caused you to get this way, go find you another one. Amen. If she left you and you want to sit here, think about putting something to your head and blow your brains out because she chose to leave you, then she's stupid anyhow. Get up, get your life together, go find you another one. God's got another fish out there somewhere for you to catch. Am I helping anybody? Amen. Smile at me on this side if I am. Live your life. Get back to your lifestyle. Fill up that empty space. Go. Walk and be my messenger here on this earth. 
Because if you will, I will send you a firm gift of survival. When you see it, it will be in the house of bread and it will literally be bread for you to feed on and survive. In other words, if you'll do what I tell you to do, get up and go, then I will take care of you and you'll never go hungry no more. You won't be hungry for love. You won't be hungry for peace. You won't be hungry for comfort. You won't be hungry for money. You won't be hungry for a house. You won't be hungry for a car. You won't be hungry for worship, praise, for honor, for respect. You won't be hungry for all that stuff if you'll just fill up your horn and you'll go. Hmm. Because while you've been mourning, I have been watching a king. Why you've been mourning over that king that you wanted in your life, I've been out and I've been watching a king. And I have given him in your life and he's waiting on you to go to where he's at. And he will be that king in your life, that ruler in your life that will continue my seed and build up my kingdom in your life. It will not be the king that the devil wanted to rule over you. It will be the king that I set forth in my plan to rule you. So get up and go. Get up out of that their depression. Get up out of that their disgusting. Get up out of all that distress. Get up out of all that feeling bad for yourself and feeling sorry for yourself in self-pity. Get up and go. Life is still calling you and God says, I got a king ready to rule Living Water Worship Center. Amen. Amen. Smile at somebody right beside you and say, are you going to live your life? Live your life. Fill up that empty space. Get back to your lifestyle. Life ain't over with. I love Liv back there. Liv just lost her husband. It might not be appropriate for me to say it right now. But if she can't make it without a man, God's got another man for her somewhere. I believe she can make it without a man. But if God wants her to marry again, God's got. if she can't make it without a man, God's got that man ready for her. If I can't make it without a woman and Tina decides she's going to go on a hiatus and go to Brazil or wherever it's at and stay gone, then God will literally send me another one if I can't make it without a woman. God's already got you took care of. Why are we still sitting here mourning, repeating over and over and over, hashing about what they said? You ever had anybody get mad with you? And they stay mad with you for months? You're really concerned about that for a day or two, ain't you? Then as time goes on, you begin to realize, well, Nathan's just being stupid now. I done tried to talk to him. I told him I didn't mean exactly the way he took it. I tried to apologize. I done everything I possibly could. And every time I see him, he looks like he can kill me. In fact, I think he's going to kill me and all that stuff. Because And now it's 45 days and he still hates me just as bad. And I, Lord, have mercy, Jesus Christ. You know how it is. After a while, you get to the point and you say to yourself, well, I don't care what they say. I don't care if they want to go on, pull away from me. Let them go on because I'm moving on in my life. There is nothing on the face of this earth that has enough of power to make you put a gun to your head and blow your brains out. There is nothing on the face of this earth that has enough of power to cause you to take an overdose of drugs to try to kill yourself. You see, the only thing that there is that causes you to do that 
is the devil hates you. And he tries to get you to hate the situation you're in. But everybody look at me. Everybody on this side look. You have got exactly what you asked for from God. You wanted that girlfriend. That's why you rung that phone off the hook. And every time you had an opportunity to go see her, you wanted her. And you kept on going and trying to get her. And you finally got her. Now she done you wrong. And now you think you're going to get her attention now. Because you're going to be stupid enough to go out there and do something to your own self. And, and How dumb can you be? If she left you, the Bible says she went out from you. I hope y'all two stay together the rest of your life. I really do. If that's who God wants you to be with, stay together the rest of your life. But there might be a day in time where she don't want you no more. Don't you sit there and cry over it. You look at her and say, mm, all right, just do whatever you want to do. Get everything together because I'm going on. That's hard to do. I walk the steps. I know what I'm talking about. It's not easy to do, but you can do it through the power of Almighty God. Amen. People leave you in your life because they're not tied to your destiny. You do not have to keep living your life in limbo because somebody else can't make up their mind. Ministries don't have to be shut down in the church because somebody can't make up their mind if they're going to be a part of it or not. Sister Betty just stood up here in this church and told you, he, she said, I want every woman in here to be a part of this ministry. And we do. We want you to. But we're not going to stop the ministry because Diane don't want to be a part of it. We ain't going to shut down living water because you ain't coming to it when the doors are open. Church ain't built around you. Anyhow, it's built around God. How much longer are you going to keep right on rehashing this stuff over and over and over to God? God says, I'm angry with you now. Get up from where you are. Fill up your horn and go. I got something for you in your life. Look at somebody and say, God's got something for you. Now, if you got something on this side this morning, I want you to smile at me. Everybody's smiling. Except for you. Now she's smiling. If you got something from the Spirit of God this morning, I'll just start smiling at me. Everybody smile at me. You see, sometimes in life we had to be shook up. Hey, look, it's perfectly all right to grieve over a lost loved one, and you take as much time as you need to do that. But when you get to the point to where it is running your life, that's wrong for you. That person would have never wanted you to be like that. If that person loves you, they want you to be happy. If that person loves you, they want you to be able to live life right on without them. Do you think that they are waiting for you to get happy to praise the Lord up in heaven? Do you think that they're telling God up in heaven, no, wait just a little bit until she gets happy again. I can't go to this meeting up here in heaven. Uh -uh. They're enjoying where they are. And they want you to enjoy what you got here in this life. And it don't matter what nobody out there says about you while you enjoying it. Look, look, everybody look, 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 look. They ain't coming back. The only time they're coming back is when you go up there with them and you come back with them. So enjoy this life. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't you let the devil get you down. 
Don't you walk in here and have to have somebody threaten to throw a microwave phone in your face to get you to praise the Lord. Don't you go home today and sit there because she won't answer the telephone and feel so bad that you got to go get drunk. No, you rise up because you're a genius. You are blessed by the power of Almighty God. God has brought you out of the mess that you've been in in your life and God is ready to use you right now. Amen. So smile at that person right beside you and say, how much longer are you going to be in mourning? How much longer are you going to... <laughs> Chris don't want to see me no more. How much longer are you going to give up because everything ain't hunky-dory? Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I've done already preached as hard as I can to these folks today. Father, they've come to you today, Lord God, and you have spoke to them. You have shared with them today, Lord God, that they have a king that you have waiting for them to rule in their life. That a king that has been ruling does not have to rule any longer. Father, I pray and ask you, Lord, that nobody leaves the way they came. Each and every person here today will be inspired through the word of your testimony, Lord God that there's a king waiting somewhere, that your eyes has been on their life. Father, that you have orchestrated their steps, that you have given them the power to move forward in life. God, today, let each person make a decision for that they're going to move under the king that you have over their life. And I'll give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' holy name, let the church say amen. As every head is bowed and every eyes closed.
Are you glad you came to church today? Are you going to feel your horn and go? Smiling so much, so let's go this morning. Amen. Father, go with us, lead out and direct us, bring us back in love and in unity this evening at four, 6 o'clock. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it all. Keep this word ever before our eyes, on our fingers, and in our heart. We'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus' precious name. Let the church say amen and amen.